Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Amen. Man, it's so good to be in the house of God, the presence of God. And my name is Joey, by the way. I'm the lead pastor right here. And uh, we are uh, in a series. We, are, we finish actually next week. We are studying the book of Acts. And it's been called More Life. And I just want to take a moment and honor uh, our last couple speakers. I want to say uh, how proud I am and how great Pastor Xavier did. And uh, also want to say last week, Pastor Mo, didn't they do a great job? So thank you guys uh, for filling in and... um, yeah, and so we're going we're gonna to finish this series next week. We honestly could have stayed in this series for like 100 weeks, but I uh, got, got some other things I want to get to uh, as we approach the fall. But question for you today, have you ever been obsessed or consumed with someone or something? Have you? Uh, honestly, it's, it's easier, it's easier uh, for it to happen than you think. We, we often are, are more obsessed with things than we realize. For instance, if you want a car, all you see is a car or that car. Uh, if you want to get married, all you seem to watch are romance movies or all that comes up on your Instagram feed are companies who sell rings. If you're hungry, all you seem to see are Taco Bell commercials. It was 8.30 in the morning the other day, and my wife looks at me and says, I really want Taco Bell. I said, are you pregnant? (laughs) Um, You know, I don't think I've ever personally been obsessed with anything or consumed with anything in my life, maybe except the Philadelphia Eagles, man. And uh, I know it gets a cheap cheer, but it's just the truth. In 2011, I lived in Europe for the whole football season. And I, uh, let me just explain how committed I was. I was doing missionary work, but I oriented my schedule around the time change. So I I mean, I would be waking up at two, three in the morning or whatever it was. And I had to find these like dark websites because back then, that you couldn't easily stream like sports the way you could now. And so I literally, I would, I would be on these, I would be watching the game in Spanish or like in Mandarin or something like, like I, I would do whatever it took to watch. And like they all these goofy little screens and stuff and on a delay. And it was like, they couldn't pronounce the names right. It was amazing, but I was committed. I was consumed by the Eagles. And I, I, I do want to just, make a spiritual connection there because the reality is, is whatever we are consumed by or obsessed with, whatever we love, we make time for. We go out of our way for, we create space for. You know the saying, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. And, and all of us are consumed by things The question is, are we consumed by God things? Do we actually go out of our way to live a life that proves and that seeks out 
the living God who promises a more abundant life than the things we are actually consumed by. And so I want to preach a message today so that you can experience more life. I've titled the message, I am consumed by fill in the blank. I am consumed by fill in the blank. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 17. And before we read it, let me give you a little context. In Acts 13, because we're skipping ahead, the church in Antioch is praying and fasting. And then the Holy Spirit says to the leaders to set apart Saul and Barnabas or, or Paul for the work that God has for them, which was missions and church planning. So the very things that we do today in planting locations, they were doing back then in planting churches. They, uh, however, they, they, I mean, they're going everywhere, right? They're, they're planting, they're doing missions work. In chapter 15, though, Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement on personnel. So they were even having problems back then. And, uh, and so basically they decide to go separate ways. Paul takes Silas with him to Macedonia in chapter 16. And while Paul and Silas are together, uh, they, you know, get uh, jailed and they have a little jailbreak at midnight. And then you mix in a few more kind of travels and some drama. And then Paul heads to Athens ahead of Silas and Timothy. All right, and that's, that's where we pick up, okay? So verse 16, Paul's in Athens. While Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Let's just stop there for a second. Let's look at this line and read it together again. Paul was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Same stuff, different day. Verse 17, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. All right, a little more context. This was an incredible cultural center. Once this was the spot in all the Roman world, okay? Uh, it was cultured. It was an educated city. It was proud of its history. It was an intellectual center, almost like Oxford or, or Cambridge, okay? Paul, though, more than impressed by all of it, more than impressed, he was incredibly grieved because, as another translation puts it, they were given over to idols. They were consumed by idols. I, I want to just kind of point something out to you today as a warning to all believers. It is very easy to be impressed by all the world's got going on. Very easy. It's very easy to walk into our cultural centers, to walk into New York City, to walk into Center City, Philadelphia, to walk around LA, to walk around, you name it, to go to concerts, uh, to even sports games, whatever it is. It's very easy to be incredibly impressed by all the stuff the world's got going on. Now, you have to use your intellect and understand that God God created creativity. And so when creative things happen, even when it's dark and demonic, there is an element of God DNA that then gets perverted by the enemy. The enemy is not creative. He just perverts and counterfeits everything God creates. And so when you see something creative and incredible at, let's say, a concert that actually has God DNA creativity inside of it, 
but then it's demonic because it's been counterfeited by the enemy, you have to be able to determine and understand that like, there's nothing wrong with great creativity and an incredible, remarkable, breathtaking human exploration and human achievement. But what happens is, is the enemy often will attempt to, just like he did to Jesus, he shows Jesus everything, if you want it all, bow to me, right? The enemy will always try to manipulate and, 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 and take what could be good and glorify God and glorify himself and lead you astray and make you the king and God while making him the king and God. And so while Paul here is in Athens with these incredibly smart people, with these incredibly talented, gifted orators, all these different people, Paul, because he's consumed by God, doesn't get consumed by all the stuff that they got going on. Believer, if you are not troubled by the idols in our culture, you might be participating in its worship. Can I step on some toes for a second? Look, idols can be anything. We can idolize success. We can idolize moving up the ladder in our careers. We can idolize political leaders. We can even idolize being angry and bitter at other people. Uh, we can idolize a feeling that we have of superiority or arrogance. We can idolize vacations we can overdo self-care and me time. I don't hear nobody saying amen. <laughs> Not if you're a parent of young kids, take it all, all you need. We can idolize too much sports, even our beloved teams. We can idolize Taylor Swift and the Kardashians. <laughs> we can idolize more Botox. Anybody? Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> it might happen. We can idolize freedom. We can idolize not having kids or not getting married because it infringes on our own freedom. We can idolize things we see on TikTok. We can idolize sex, comfort, our phone, social media. We can idolize a Beyonce concert. I read a story of somebody, a gentleman who was saving up, got an inheritance. He got an inheritance and he was dating this girl and they weren't even engaged and it hadn't been that long. And she's like, I really wanna to go to this Beyonce concert. And he used his inheritance of $40,000 to go to the concert. You know what that gentleman idolized? Not Beyonce, the girl. So, so are, are things in life bad? No, not at all. Is, is success and money and, 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 and creativity and even music and artists. And the, are these things bad inherently in and of itself? No. But there's questions you have to ask yourself to know if something is an idol in your life and if you're consumed by it. There's actually four questions. I want you to write this down at every location. Here's how you identify idols in your life. Number one, where do I spend my time? And does that thing get more time than what I contribute to the kingdom? Where do I spend my money? Where do I spend my money? If, if God doesn't get any portion or the first portion of where you get income, 
then everything else actually is an idol. And I know that's hard for some people to hear. Where do I contribute my talents? That's another question. My, my, my gifting, does God get any of my gifting? And lastly, where do I get my joy from? Is my only happiness on a Sunday afternoon, is my only happiness on a Friday night, is my only level of joy, is it coming from things? Or can I have peace with God if I do nothing? Or do I have peace with God and I struggle with this? If God takes longer than I want him to, to give me the things I've asked for. How do we know we're too impressed with the world and that we have idols? Well, where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? How do I contribute my talents? And where do I get my joy from? Those are very important questions for you to ask, believer, because it just shows that maybe you're not consumed by God. Maybe you're consumed by survival, self-preservation, consumed by feeling a certain way, by getting a certain thing. Maybe you're more consumed with life than the life giver. Idols in our culture should grieve us and it should compel us to preach the gospel, the good news to anyone. If I'm consumed by God, his holiness will trigger a burden for people. And in verse 18, Bible says that he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. So the, the Epicureans pursued pleasure, listen to this, as the chief purpose in life. And they valued most of all the pleasure of a peaceful life, free from pain and superstitious fears, including the fear of death. They did not deny the existence of gods, but believed that they had nothing to do with them. And by the way, as you listen to this, that is so much of the pursuit of people today, which is a total dichotomy of Christianity. Think about this. The Epicureans, they pursued pleasure as the chief purpose in life. They valued pleasure and peaceful living and a life free of pain above anything else, above marriage, above family, above children, above God. Their God was self. The Stoics, they were pantheists, which means they had a great number of gods and they put a great emphasis on moral sincerity and a high sense of duty. They cultivated a spirit of proud dignity and even believed that suicide was better than life lived with less dignity. They believed everything was God and God was everything. They also believed that good or evil were from God. And so nothing should be resisted. They believed there was no particular direction or destiny for mankind. Do, do, you, know what, do you know what their God really was at the end of the day? Pride. If I've not filled my life with accomplishment, if I've not filled my life with, with dignity and great purpose, well, I might as well not even be here, which is arrogance and pride. And so Paul is speaking to these people, these Epicureans and these Stoics who have these ideologies who are 
very book smart, but spiritually dead. And honestly, guys, this is like these two things. This is literally our culture blended together. Pursuit of pleasure, pursuit of peace. And I need to find my purpose, which finding your purpose in and of itself is not bad, except when it is elevated above God's dreams and God purposes for you. They are, these people were consumed by these ideologies. And many of us, listen to me, hear me. Many of us are consumed by ideologies that were passed down from us from family and parents and generations. And so innately, we have these ideologies that direct us rather than God's will, God's dreams, God's ideas, God's design, and God's word woven throughout us. And so we're consumed with ideologies instead of God, even though we say, no, I love God. But when our ideologies come up against what God says, now we've got a tension point. And so then what we do is we create God in our own image to make ourselves feel better, but really we're not really worshiping the true God. We're worshiping an unknown God, which is a God of a self. Are you following me so far? It's interesting in verse 18, he debates with them and then he tells them about Jesus and his resurrection. It's interesting that these are the most intellectual, potentially arrogant, wealthy, impressive people on the earth at the time. And what does Paul do? Paul preaches to them about the resurrection. Why? Because friends, all ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everybody should have said amen to that if you received the mercy of Jesus. All ground is level at the foot of the cross. In other words, the wealthy need Jesus, the poor need Jesus, the successful need Jesus, the unsuccessful need Jesus, athletes need him, movie stars need him, your neighbors need him, family members need him, friends need them. All of us need Jesus, no matter if we figured out how life works or if we're figuring it out, we still need Jesus. But what I want for you is to not just need Jesus, but want Jesus to be consumed by him. I think it's cool. Paul, who was very educated in the Torah, he also made tents, which kind of had a blue collar kind of vibe. And I love this because here Paul is influencing the influencers. And, and, and I love the balance of Paul's life, right? He's, he's studied, but he also work with, works with his hands. I, I, I love the fact that Paul is here preaching the resurrection. Whether he was qualified or not, he had boldness and he had the truth. And I just want to encourage you today, when you are consumed by God, when you are consumed by the things of God, when, when, when the cultural idols bother you, because you know people are lost and missing Jesus, there will be an automatic layer and level of boldness that rises up in you. And don't doubt the fact that you don't have anything to say. 
Don't doubt the fact that you don't have anything to contribute. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, believer. Hear me. He's given all authority, all knowledge, all wisdom. I'm telling you, there are things that can come to you from the Spirit that far exceed intelligence and intellect. At the end of the day, you can go to college for 26 years, and some of you have. And you can pay 260000 Some of you have. But you can take 26 minutes in the presence of God and have all the wisdom you need. And I'm not saying college is bad and going to school is bad and your degrees aren't good. God bless you. God can use those things. But what I'm telling you, there is something more important that you must partner those things with. It's to be consumed by God. Because there's a lot of people who know a lot of stuff but are really dumb. I'm not saying you. I'm saying in general. A lot of people know have read all the books, but no common sense. No, no spiritual direction. But book smarts and knowing things, reading the newspaper, it only gets you so far because the spirit can take you to unending heights. Verse 19, you follow me so far? What are you consumed by? That's the question today. Are, are you consumed by the things that prop you up or are you consumed by propping Jesus up? Verse 19, the Bible says, they take him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching. Talking about the resurrection. You're saying some strange things and we wanna know about it. In verse 21, it should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. All their time. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. Thank you, Jesus. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. A little bit of Job in there. Paul faces this challenging audience in Athens as he stands on the famous Mars Hill. And he speaks to the other philosophers. But what I, I do wanna point out is that Paul speaks to them a little bit differently. When Paul would go into other cities, he would go into the Jewish synagogues and he'd preach Jesus was the Messiah. But here he took a different approach, same message, different methodology. And I want to, I want to help you with something because as the fall approaches church, look me in the eyes as the fall approaches, I want to put a responsibility on you to not come to church alone, to never go to bed on a Saturday night without inviting somebody. Want to be clear, you can have a moment with somebody outside of church. You can have a, a, a spirit-filled witnessing moment. Please understand, make that a combination. But people need the church 
And the church is often a place where people encounter the presence of God for the first time. When your worship leaders are singing and people who don't know God are standing there and they're feeling something, there's something powerful about bringing an unbeliever into the house of God. And so I want to encourage every single person to feel a little bit of that Paul DNA in them. That, 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 that Paul swagger, that, 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 that just that, that burden to go, I, I must fill my church with people who don't really follow Jesus or who maybe at one point did, but their fire has burnt out. And maybe your fire has burnt out. And this is the kind of thing you need to light that fire again. And listen to this, Paul takes a different approach, okay? For instance, Paul recognizes they're very religious. They had gods on gods with many altars. The Athenians would gather gods for circumstances and all occasions, just in case they missed a god. So they created an altar for an unknown God just in case they missed a God in setting up their gods. So listen to me, friends. Listen to me. So many people are religious or have religious ideas, but lack an understanding of who the true, living, freeing, loving creator Jesus is. It's why people are doing stuff to escape reality. Because we actually weren't made for full reality consciousness alone. We were made for the supernatural and to experience heaven's touch on earth. And so it's why people get involved in witchcraft. It's why people start messing with crystals and going on seances and trying to get in touch with the dead. It's why people find themselves eating different sorts of drugs to take their mind to places that it doesn't belong. I'm telling you, people are seeking a connection with the supernatural. They just don't know they're actually seeking God. Which is where you come in. And for those who are in our locations today who maybe have explored, we're not sitting here condemning you for this. I'm actually just telling you, listen to me, if you've explored these different arenas and avenues of the occult or, or you name it, right? I want you to know, deep down, your soul is seeking the one true God. You just didn't know how to get there. But you're here now. You're here now. People are naturally and practically, listen to me, this is really important. People are naturally and practically most open to God and church when they are going through what I call the three T's. You should write this down, the three T's. Trouble, transition, or time of life. Okay, what's trouble? Could be financial problems, divorce, pain, sickness, jail, fired. You know what trouble is. Transition could be moving to a new area, a new job, starting college, moving out of parents' house, any sort of big deal transition and change in someone's life. It is a great moment and opportunity to be a witness. Wanna be clear, every moment's a great moment, but this is when people are most susceptible and open to the gospel. Last one, time of life or time of year change, fall, holidays, New Year, Easter, special events, but even stage of life with children. There's, there's, there's people in our congregation, they were holding their kids going, 
God just begins to move on them going, there's gotta be something more in my life. Uh, I, I, I had dinner with a young man the other night and he was telling me he, he grew up in this major, totally extreme church that he had no connection with the gospel, but he was on a trip and he was watching all of the people his same age pursue all this stuff. And he found himself going, everything is empty. And he found himself in his room with all money, all stuff, his own house, all the things he needed. And he said, I'm empty. And he opened up the gospel and began to read it. It's a time of life moment. When you see somebody going through trouble, transition, or a time of life change, this is a great opportunity to bring the gospel to them. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Paul's telling Timothy, hey, this is a preacher, this is a pastor thing, but I want everybody to notice that you should be preaching the word and being prepared whether time is favorable or not. In other words, you might be having a, a bad day at the office, but somebody still might need the, the gospel. All right. I got to move. Verse 27. Are you getting something out of this? I just want you to be consumed for God's mission, God's purpose. I want you to be consumed by God. God is our pleasure. I need the piano or I'm just going to keep preaching. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God. Look at this. This is what Paul says to them. This is God's purpose. For it was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though, listen, he is not far from any of us. For in him, we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold, silver, or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. So right here, listen to me. You wondering about your purpose? We mentioned it earlier, the Stoics obsessed with it. Okay to wonder about your purpose. Are you wondering about it? Here's what it is. And there's no need for us to pointlessly pontificate like philosophers. Here's what it is. It's not to seek a million idols who aren't your creator. It's not to gain pleasure at all costs. It's not to determine God is what you determine he is. It's not to live and die and hope it was good. No, here's your purpose. We are the nations and our whole purpose is to seek and know God. And as you do, as you do, you will realize he's not far from you. He's a call away. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As you seek him, he reveals that you are his offspring, that you are his children with full access. Listen to me, this is for everybody, non-believer as well. In Jesus, full access to life abundantly, to purpose, to clarity about who you are and your identity, direction for your life, love, hope, good news. He's not far from you and you're not far from that. Paul is clear though, listen to me. He says there are consequences for you when you don't seek God. Okay, I've exposed 
who the unknown God is today and I've exposed who the real God is today. Whatever you've been seeking, now you know it's Jesus Christ, God's only son who came and died by way of God sending, who died on the cross for your sins, was raised again on the third day, resurrected. He's not in the grave. He lives to live in you. And Paul says something that my whole message is is pinned on. He says, in him, we live and move and exist. So it's not just your head, it's your heart. You can feel the king. The unknown God is Jesus who gave everything to rescue you. And now he expects for you to give your life back to him. Mark 12, 30 says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It's not just ideas and ideology. It's get him in your heart and be consumed by him. Because what happens then is as he becomes your obsession, as he becomes your passion, as he becomes your love, everything else in your life, it is layered and woven into and it spreads from that place. I got to close. Verse 32, I'm I'm closing with this. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this. And that ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Listen, 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 listen. Paul's discussion, it ends abruptly. They mocked him. Some were saved. But honestly, listen to me, believer. We are all called to proclaim the gospel. The results are up to God. You proclaim, you pray, and God does the rest. And also, you live a life that's worthy of that calling. But I just, I want to point something out as I close. Listen to me. The conversation ends abruptly. The scriptures tell us that you and I are not promised tomorrow. That's why every day is a gift. Every breath is a gift, okay? Every moment you get to hold your babies, it's a gift. You are not promised tomorrow. The conversation ends abruptly. Other day, my, my mom, she sent a box of things. And in the box, this drives my wife crazy, by the way. In the box of things was photo albums from when I was a kid. Haven't changed much, incredibly cute. It's just the same. <laughs> but it was photo albums and, and I'm just looking through this and it's like old photos and like, it's just, it's just crazy stuff. And, but then I saw this picture of this young man who lived in our neighborhood growing up and I immediately just got emotional and sad because I remember trying to get him to come to church and, actually him coming one time and he was just different and after high school he started to have drug problems and he he couldn't he couldn't break from it and he knew he needed to go to rehab and so he said to his father hey tomorrow I must go but that night in his room he made the decision he was going to use up the rest of his stuff and the next morning 
his father walked in to take him to the emergency rehab facility and with blood flowing out of his nose, he had overdosed the night before. I share that with you because as Paul's discussion ended abruptly, so can all of our lives. And like my friend, he was consumed with getting out of the pain he was in. Consumed to the point where it, it took his life. I don't know what happens to you when you leave this place. But for the believer, if you are not consumed by Jesus, you're wasting your life. There are people who need us, people like my friend, who we need to keep praying for and inviting. You, you don't know when your neighbor, your family member, your class, you don't know their last moment and your eternity might be secured, but, but theirs isn't. And if you are not a believer today, please hear me. There's only but one way to heaven. There's only but one way to God. There, there's only one way. It is not idols that we make with hands. It is Jesus Christ who came, who died, who was resurrected, and you must receive him. And if you don't, there are consequences to this. It is eternal separation from God, but he's here today, and God says, I love you, and I want you, and my arms are open to you, and if you would just say yes to me, I will change everything. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.